Welcome to the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. Welcome, everybody. We are in the middle of November. We're getting close to Thanksgiving. And then after that, it's going to be on a, a rapid a rapid schedule for the holiday period, Christmas, Hanukkah, New Year's, fantastic stuff on the horizon. Except we all know that there is this growing movement in the country from people who are lockdowners, leftists, statists, people that are obsessed with controlling others or who have been overcome with their own anxieties and fears. They want to tell you that you're not really allowed to have a holiday. Or if you have a holiday, it needs to be outside. You can only have certain family members. You can't go above 10 people. And this is all because if you don't, you're being reckless and people will will literally die because of that recklessness. We need to reject this. Uh, enough is enough. It's time for us to say back off or blank off, if you will. It's time for us to tell people that we're not going to sit around anymore and allow government authorities to make these on-the-fly, seat-of-the-pants decisions that don't ever have the intended outcome. Or whatever it is, if it's a lockdown now or if it's a lockdown in a month, it'll be temporary and it will eventually recede. It will happen and then it will stop happening and then there'll be more virus and we'll keep going. Wash, rinse, repeat. That's what we're going through right now as a country and have been for many months. But they don't want you to start thinking just because of the promising news about a vaccine. Now, another vaccine, this one, a Moderna with 94 plus percent uh, effectiveness in giving someone protection against this virus. Let's all understand there's already some portion of the population that has either just good enough immunity that they won't even show symptoms from this or they have antibodies and T cell immunity from either cross exposure to similar enough viruses or from this virus in the past when you start adding a 94 to almost 95 percent effective vaccine into the mix which is far higher than what was anticipated we're getting much closer to this being a situation where it's absurd it's frankly absurd it's wrong to continue to insist that people not live their lives because of the risk here Nobody thinks that we should build public policy off of a zero risk tolerance posture. And if anyone's going to question that, we would just say it is true. And I know that there's been all this anti flu bro stuff over this year because this is not the flu. It's different. It's worse for older people. But every year, tens of thousands of people die from the flu and we don't shut down society over it. And you could certainly make an argument if we entirely shut down society, it would lessen flu cases, but there would be catastrophic costs that would come with that, especially if it were a yearly occasion. So what do we do? We tell people to try to be sensible, take individual, take uh, personal precautions, get the vaccine if you're an older person, although flu vaccines are really 30 to 50% effective in most years. And then we all live our lives because we do not exist in a society where the state promises you perfect health. You know, I understand that we have an average life expectancy now deep into the into the 70s, but that doesn't mean the government guarantees anyone that they'll make it 
deep into their 70s or even their 80s or perhaps even their 90s, which would be fantastic. And a lot of us hopefully will make it there. But there are no guarantees in life, friends. And to build a government policy around that is destructive. It's also unconstitutional. It's eroding the relationship between free people and a government that are supposed to be representative, but but limited as well. Right. Representative of our of our interests and uh, supporting them, but also knows that there are some areas that it, it cannot transgress. It just can't go. It's not the government's mandate. It's not its job. It should be troubling then when you have little Fauci over the weekend. This guy has still to this day not said anything that I could point to and say, you know what? This was really helpful. This was a game changer for us. This must have saved a lot of lives. No, in fact, at critical junctures, his advice has been wrong. And it really just comes down to be afraid, panic, avoid each other and give up as much as you possibly can of your life while we try to figure out what the heck we're doing. That's really the sum total of what his strategy has been. And that's why when he says something like this now, I, I understand that it was fake Tapper who even goes to the so no Christmas point in this conversation. But over the weekend, this is the. Uh, the top infectious disease expert of the United States government. And here he is telling everybody, you know, now not only are we going to have to more or less cancel Thanksgiving, we've also got to be prepared for the opposite of a jolly Christmas. You know, you can sit alone hoping you don't get some virus in your house, in your apartment and zoom family members from far away because everyone now is just a vector for disease. And you can't take any risks for anyone. Here's how some of that exchange went. Play the clip. The vaccine has got to be deployed and we can't abandon fundamental public health measures. You can approach a degree of normality while still doing some fundamental public health things that synergize with the vaccine to get us back to normal. So not until the second or third quarter of 2021, though. Christmas is probably not going to be possible. Yeah, I'm well, you know, I, I think that if we get most of the country vaccinated and. So we're not going to have vaccines by the end of the year, we've known that, but they will start in the new year. But in the meantime, what do we do? This is where the debate now lies. What should we think is acceptable between now and when vaccine distribution actually happens? And they're going back to lockdowns, even though the evidence that lockdowns work and save lives is questionable at best. And we have a government that's basing major policy decisions now, a bureaucracy. And yes, the Trump administration hasn't pushed back on this as forcefully as I think it should have. The Democrats, of course, are extreme lockdowners. They love this power, and we'll get into their hopes they can use this far beyond just the pandemic, which I've been telling you all along would be their reality. Um, But we have to actually fight back against this. I mean, Michigan and Washington State have both gone into three-week stay-at-home order lockdowns. Uh, so those are now states where they're, they're pushing even the more extreme from what we saw at the early stage of the pandemic restrictions. And that was why Dr. Scott Atlas, who was one of the president's advisors on coronavirus over the weekend, tweeted out that it's time to rise up against this stuff. Now, he didn't mean violence. I know the libs always jump to that. He just means you got to tell people no. You got to tell people, I'm sorry, we're not just going to keep obeying these rules because there's some people there who are terrified. I mean, if you're 30 years old and you're terrified of covid, 
chances are you're just not very well informed. Unless you happen to be a very, very small percentage of people out there who have uh, a, a kind of immuno, uh, immunocompromised state that would make them very susceptible to this. But that's we're talking about the exception, not the rule here. For most people in their 30s and their 40s, this is not a big deal. In fact, I just spoke to someone over the weekend. Uh, her whole family's got COVID. They, they feel like they've got some cold symptoms. They're basically fine. And they're all in their 30s and they've got young children. But this is the standard that, uh, that ends up happening across the country for so many people. If you're 85, you know, you're at tremendous risk from the normal flu in any given year, as well as the possibility of just ca- getting pneumonia from a, a variety of other infections. People who are at that age range are at risk from a lot of diseases. And yes, COVID has been a particularly uh, a particularly serious risk in this year. But we're we're treating all of society. I mean, the government's policies effectively act like everyone is in their 80s. Now, that's not to say that we shouldn't take those steps for people in their 80s. But that's the focus protection that we talked about in the Great Barrington Declaration. That would be far more sensible. I am not afraid of getting COVID. I don't want to give COVID to anyone who's in their in their 70s or their 80s. And so I would limit my exposure to those people and I would make sure that there would be any, you know, that I would have precautions taken. But I'm not worried about getting COVID. And quite honestly, I'm not worried about giving COVID accidentally to somebody else who's in their 30s or 40s if I'm asymptomatic, because the chances of them uh, being particularly sick with it are also very, very low. These are the things that we've actually learned about this virus, about this disease. But they're not letting go of the iron grip of control here. They're acting like they figured this stuff out, like they know what needs to be done. Here is Dr. Fauci telling people that even after you are vaccinated, you are to continue with these public health measures. Play nine. Once the process is complete, does that mean they can take off their mask? They don't have to social distance They can just go about their lives as before. You know, I would recommend that that's not the case. I would recommend you have an added uh, area of protection. Obviously, with a 90 plus percent effective vaccine, you could feel much more confident. But I would recommend to people to not abandon all public health measures just because you've been vaccinated, because even though for the general population, it might be 90 to 95 percent effective. You don't necessarily know for you how effective it is. So when I get vaccinated, which I hope to when when it becomes my turn to get vaccinated, I'm not going to abandon completely public health measures. I could feel more relaxed and, and essentially not having the stringency of it that we have right now. But I think abandoning it completely would not be a good idea because five to 10 percent of the people that get immunized, it will not be effective for. So they might actually get the virus if they just completely let down their guard. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I think even even fake tapper there is realizing. So now we have no a no risk policy. You have a fiber. You get a vaccine that's 95 percent. Remember, it's not 100 percent. You're even going to get infected. And it's not 100 percent. If you get infected, you're even going to end up in the hospital or dying from it's not even close. It's less than one percent. Think about the percentages we're talking about here. And this is Fauci. People listen to this guy. He's just not very bright, folks. I don't know what to tell you. He doesn't see all the other things that are going on in society right now. You know, we're abandoned public, abandoned public health measures. What does that mean? Here's the question, Fauci. Can we start going to restaurants, stop wearing masks in the gym, stop 
mask shaming strangers for being outside in fresh air without a covering over their mouth and their nose all the time once a person has the vaccine? The answer is yes. This is a policy question. You know, there's a reason why we don't have doctors running everything. I'm just going to say it. He's only focused in on this one thing, this one point. He has no ability whatsoever to balance out the rest of what's happening in society. And he's been wrong countless times already about the things that he's told us. If I get this vaccine, should I wear a mask? Is that reasonable? The answer is no, it's not reasonable. Stop wearing a mask once you're vaccinated. Anybody who won't say that is a lunatic. Okay, they're in love with their own control or they're so brainwashed with fear that they can't be trusted to make any decisions. A 95 percent effective vaccine. Did you realize what that's the whole point here is that if, if nine out of 10 people in a room can't get the virus, then the one person that can get it, the chance of them getting it is so much lower because that is herd immunity. That's how we get there. So the chance of the, the velocity of spread is going to collapse as you get more and more people vaccinated. Plus, you got people with the antibodies and the uh, the T cell response out there who have already been infected. So the pandemic's going to fall off a cliff. We're still going to wear masks. This this lunatic really thinks that I want to be walking into my building that where I live in a New York City next summer in the stifling heat with a mask on because there's a one in a million chance that I'm going to get covid. What is it going to take for people to realize this is now a scam? This is outrageous. They've moved the goalpost so many times. And now you've got this moron Fauci acting like we're, we're trying to to gauge for perfection. No chance of you getting covid. Then covid has to be eradicated in its entirety. We don't do this with other diseases. We, we don't do this with the flu. We, you know, we, we don't do this with uh, name anything that kills people that's out there right now. It still exists. It's still out there. Oh, you can't leave your house. Can't be around strangers because, you know, they might catch it from you. But this is what happens because the media is complicit in all this because they knew that the only way that Biden was going to win was putting the country in this desperate state of covid panic and using it as a a, just a cudgel to bludgeon Trump with all the time, which is what they've done. So they created this panic and now they don't want to unwind it. Now they want to keep everybody nice and complacent. Bend that knee, peasant. Do what they tell you even after a vaccine. Absolutely not. And we're going to have to establish something and people are going to have to just come up with, you know, if you're vaccinated, you wear uh, some kind of a yellow wristband or something so you can walk around not wearing a mask anymore. And I don't even yeah, where's your mask. Yeah. Didn't even do anything, folks. We're getting more cases than ever before. Mask compliance is higher than it has ever been in this country. More cases than ever before. But they never try to even explain that, do they? Ooh, listen to the science. Yeah, the science, the real scientists, the ones that have to actually live with results from big pharma. They've created vaccines that once distributed means we get to go back to normal life. Full stop. Coughing on each other on the subway and not worrying about it. That's where we are heading with this vaccine. I don't care what Fauci says. Thanks for listening to the Best of Buck Daily podcast. Get more from Buck by following him on social media at Buck Sexton on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget to visit BuckSexton.com. This process has been driven solely by science and data. So it's a shame that some, one example being the governor of New York, 
have actually injected politics into the process and suggested the possibility of intentionally delaying access to an FDA-authorized vaccine, which is simply unconscionable. Yeah, it's truly sociopathic, and I'm, I'm not trying to be funny. I mean that. That Governor Cuomo would even consider a one-day delay of this just to spite Trump shows you this guy's a psycho. I mean, he's got problems, folks. He's he's dangerous. Doesn't care. He goes out there writing leadership books while he's shoveling uh, old people with covid into nursing homes and they're dying by the thousands because he's he's too stupid to figure out what a catastrophe that is. Then he writes a leadership book on what to do during covid. A person who is capable of that is pretty frightening. And that's the situation we find ourselves in with Governor Cuomo of New York. He has already said that they that he's going to have his state health experts look at the vaccine and the data before it's approved for people. I live in New York, so this is personal to me. You know, I have parents here who are in their 60s and 70s, and I want them to be able to get this vaccine as soon as it comes out. And there may be a delay because Cuomo wants to play games. I thought that he was the guy that was Mr. Take the Virus seriously. He wants to wait to get a life-saving vaccine into the hands of people who are at high risk in this, in this state? What, because his board of, of hand-picked bureaucrats for whatever the New York State... I mean, I don't even know what he would call the health authority that would look over this. His New York State bureaucrats are, are going to do a better job than the scientists at the FDA and also at, at Pfizer and Moderna and these other places? These multi-billion dollar pharmaceutical companies. This is all they do. By the way, Big Pharma demonized a lot. And let's all take a moment here to recognize that Big Pharma may have maybe giving us not only saving a lot of lives, giving the world our lives back. So, you know, a little golf clap for Pfizer and Moderna and these other these other companies that, yes, with the profit motive in mind as well, put world-class, real world-class scientists, not, not world-class bureaucrats who have been sitting around for decades doing nothing with no results to show for anything, real scientists on this one, and now we're in a place where we've got a 95% effective vaccine, and there are other vaccines. I mean, I don't know how much more effective. I mean, theoretically, I guess you get to 99%, maybe. I don't think anything will be 100%. Um, but there's more that are coming online, and yet there's still politics around this. There's still the desire to make it seem like you can't trust this because Trump. And that is just disgusting. It's reckless. And Kamala and Joe Biden played this game, too. Remember during the campaign? Oh, I don't know. I don't know if, you know, if the scientists say, but not if Trump says, well, there was no there was no future in which Trump was going to say, take this vaccine when it hadn't been approved by all the scientists in the chain of command before. And that, that was a complete myth. That was a, that was preposterous and everybody should have recognized it as such. But when there was an opportunity for demagoguery and to frighten people, what did Kamala and Joe do? Took the took the the completely dishonorable approach here by saying, oh, you can't trust this. You can't trust this vaccine. Here's what Go- Governor Cuomo is. Is the worst governor in America. We have the worst mayor in New York City, and I think the worst governor. Well, some of you are probably going to say, no, I think I think he's the worst governor in America. I, I don't really think you could do worse than him. Really, wh- where would you have to go for that one? California, Gavin Newsom, he's smarter than Cuomo. So you at least say that for him. 
But Cuomo's, uh, Cuomo's threatening to actually sue the Trump administration over this vaccine. Play 19. I tell you today, if the Trump administration does not change this plan and does not provide an equitable vaccine process, we will enforce our legal rights. We will bring legal action to protect New Yorkers. I mean, this guy is a lunatic. The the administration has overseen the the program that fast tracked this this vaccine to world record status. But now his claim is that they don't know how to distribute the vaccine. They've been working with the pharma companies on this for months and months and months. What what evidence is there that Governor Cuomo knows something about vaccine distribution that Trump doesn't? What you're hearing, though, you'll notice this becomes this becomes the uh, the talking point is that as Cuomo is suggesting that there is some kind of social justice element to this, that there's a lack of access. I, I really, are, are there neighborhoods where they don't have they have they have no health clinics, no Walmarts, no Dwayne Reeds, no drugstores. And, and I mean, really, that's a thing that we're we're going to say is now the problem with the vaccine. Plus, there are going to be all kinds of government programs to get it directly into nursing homes. Plus, there's going to be I mean, they're coming at this from so many different angles. And Cuomo's threatening to sue them because he doesn't think it's a good enough plan. This guy's a maniac. It's really it's really frightening. You know, it's really frightening that these are the people who are in charge uh, and that there are there are people dumb enough to think that they're doing a good job. That's even more terrifying. Remember the whole Cuomo Brothers variety show on CNN? Ha ha. You know, got like a big Q-tip and they did all this stuff. Ha ha. It was also funny where people are dying in unprecedented numbers of COVID. I mean, the highest death rate we've ever seen. But they were doing a big ha ha thing late night on TV. That was really, really worthwhile for everybody to watch. Uh, So he's threatening to sue and then he's and then he's trying to explain why this is a problem and it's all it's all bullcrap doesn't make any sense play 20 the whole four years has been malpractice this is a person who never said he understood government or wanted to govern there is no governance it was all public relations uh, my fear is he's making every mistake he made when covid first started this is just a redux uh we're going to do vaccines uh and because pfizer and moderna have a vaccine yeah that's like covid testing if you remember back then we're going to do covid testing i I direct the states to do COVID testing. And then how are the states supposed to do testing? On vaccine, Mika, they have no idea what they're talking about with vaccinations. We have to do 330 million. This nation, with doing everything we did over the past eight months, only did 120 million COVID tests. This guy's a moron. He really is. We absolutely do not need to do 330 million vaccinations. He doesn't understand basic epidemiology. If you get this vaccine out to, let's say, 20 to 30 million uh, seniors, 65 and over, the death rate from this is going to go to almost almost zero. I mean, you're going to be losing you will be losing fewer people to covid than you than you're currently losing to the flu in a regular month if you get the vaccine to all the seniors who are at risk just bait and i'm just telling you if you look at the data if you look at the numbers who dies from covid19 mostly people over 75 a good number of people over 65 and almost no people under 50 i mean you know a, a, a tiny fraction it's a 
a a wholly manageable public health risk to people under the age of 50. And yet he's saying we need to get 330 million doses of this out. First of all, what's okay? What's his plan? You know, notice this. He says they don't know and they're going to make mistakes, but he never. Okay, what's the better idea? He's just complained. He's got nothing to say. This guy is is a dangerous buffoon. He really is. And it's a shame that New York has him as the governor. He's an unserious person, a nepotistic thug that should never have had the job in the first place. This guy's literally the governor because his daddy was governor. It just goes to show you what the situation is with New York City Democrat machine politics. Um, but it's, it's also very personal for him. I mean, this is for him. It's really just about his ongoing feud. Forget about getting covid to people that are scared and that are and that are at real risk from this. What's most important to Cuomo is that his petty little schoolyard crap with with Trump is addressed. Play 21. That's just Trump talking. Uh, He's going to be gone. I think, frankly, we spent too much time trying to delve into the bizarre world of Trump. He's he doesn't like that. I criticize him. He doesn't like that. I stand up to him. He's a typical bully uh, and it bothers him. It's not me who doubts the FDA It's 50 percent of the American people. Kaiser poll, Pew poll, ABC poll, CNN poll. They all say 50 percent of the American people don't trust the vaccine. They believe he politicized the process. New York and six other states have put together an independent review panel to build that trust. So when the FDA Mm -hmm. says, here's our process, we have an independent panel with a Nobel laureate that can say it was a fair process because if people don't trust the vaccine, they're not going to take the vaccine. It's all for Okay. What he just did there is is truly disgusting beyond words. Why do 50 percent of people not trust this vaccine? Because Democrats like Cuomo and him specifically have spent months undermining the ability of the Trump administration to help produce a vaccine and for the Trump administration's FDA to oversee the safety protocols necessary for this. That's why half the country. What do you think the correlation is between people being Democrats and not trusting the vaccine? Very high. They have brainwashed their followers. They have brainwashed Biden voters into thinking that you can't trust the Trump FDA. And now they turn around and say, because of that distrust, we have to have delays and additional layers of safety and protection for people. So so people like Cuomo created that problem with their reckless demagoguery that will result in people dying who would not have died. They create that distrust and then they turn around like they're just being above the fray. Mika, you see the distrust out there about vaccines? We have to dispel that distrust now. That's why we need to have a panel. This is this is grotesque. I mean, this is beyond just political stuff now. This country has been through hell over this vaccine and they just don't want to give Trump a win brainless thugs like Cuomo just care about how it looks for them and their side and their team. And they hate Trump. That's what really matters to them. Everything else is just for the cameras. Make believe secondary. Yeah, eventually we'll get the vaccine out to people. If we delay it a few months because we want to play games with. Think about this. This guy's really saying his public health experts. New York state government is full of morons. I can tell you this. I mean, I I can't speak to other states as well as I can New York, but I've lived here for decades. People that work in state government in New York, a lot of state reps, 
big bureaucrats, functionaries within the state government system are completely incompetent fools. This is a poorly run state, which is why it's also losing hundreds of thousands of people now in this last year. But he thinks that he's going to have his 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 ex. My experts will look at the vaccine. My experts will determine whether the vaccine is acceptable. Really, I, I understand. I understand how the founders must have felt about the uh, the British overlords not giving a crap about them, taking their stuff and just ruining their lives and not not giving a care about it in any way. That's what it feels like to be an American now living in New York City, in New York State under Democrat control. These people just don't care. There, there's nothing that I can point to and say, at least at least on that, they'll put the politics aside because it really matters. Nope. Not even saving lives of the vaccine. Still got to be Democrats first. Still got to be leftists, statists before all else. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. Let's dive into the latest on COVID-19 lockdowns, vaccines, college debt forgiveness, and oh, so much more. With our friend James Altucher, he is a an entrepreneur, a podcaster, author, general thinker, guy you should be following and listening to on a whole bunch of things. And uh, James, great to have you on the show. Buck, once again, so so many things happening. So great to be on the show to talk about them. Let's start with uh, let, let's start if we can with college debt forgiveness, because I find this to be fascinating. The Biden team now with the assumption that they will be the new administration. That's what they're acting upon, at least. They're saying that they will be the new administration. They're claiming that they're going to, I believe the latest plan is forgive, which just means have the federal government wipe away up to $50,000 of student loan debt for people. And I see this and I say, there's so much about this that's bothersome. And it really just feels like, uh, you know, this would be like if, if the Republicans said, you know, we're going to find a favored constituency and just straight up write checks out of the Treasury Department to them because it'll help us. It'll bail us out. This is money going from welders and mechanics to people who went to third tier liberal arts colleges and studied wokeness. Yeah. Buck, this is so upsetting. By the way, I didn't even know how you felt about this particular issue. You know, everyone feels differently, whether particularly whether they have debt or not. Well, let's just look at it from an economic perspective. Who are you going to help? The the person who studied, you know, some, you know, got an English degree at Harvard or Princeton or wherever and get rid of some of their debt or the tens of millions of people have been left unemployed by this pandemic. Many people living in low income housing who can't even afford to, afford to get like, I don't know, a manicurist license or a a, a license to practice any job that will get them out of poverty. And instead, let's just give free money to people who are already well off, already have jobs, already went to a good school. You know, people, the kids who go to college, they represent the top two thirds of society. Are we, once again, we elect a president who is neglecting completely the bottom third of society and and the exact uh, marginalized population that Joe Biden kept promising would support. He instantly abandons the, the instant he's elected. It's so disappointing. I mean, I got into I got into business schools. I got into a couple of Ivy League business schools and I didn't go because I was a had been a government employee. I, I didn't have a lot of money at all. 
and I didn't want to take out when I went. Well, you know what made me not want to do it? One, I wanted to work in media, but also, James, I didn't want to pay back loans that I knew when all said and done. People always say, oh, I took out one hundred and fifty thousand dollars of loans. But what they don't realize is that when you pay those off on the schedule, it's actually about three hundred thousand dollars of earnings over your life that you that, that you're paying back and you have to make you know, considerably more than that at a, at a, you know, at a, at a decent federal tax rate to have the $300,000 of your life. It's a huge expense. And so I didn't do that. Uh, I wanted to get a job instead. If I thought the government was just going to say, yeah, you're Columbia MBA or you're Warden MBA we're we're paying for it for you. I probably would have gone to B school for a couple of years. Yeah. Fuck. This is so ridiculous. Like, uh, essentially they go to 18 year olds who don't even have the, the, don't even have the ability to understand what's a huge risk, what's not. They say, oh, here's a quarter of a million dollars you could borrow. And by the way, don't worry about this yet, but this is the one kind of debt you can't get rid of in a bankruptcy. We will garnish your wages. We will make your life miserable and forget about being an entrepreneur. Like we're generating an entire generation of kids that can't be entrepreneurs. They have to, they have to start paying back their loans right away. And again, we're not helping the people who need help. Let's think about, I mean, sure, it always sounds like good intentions. The Department of Education started in 1980. Ever since 1980, college tuitions have risen three times faster than, in, than inflation. Uh, debt has gone from zero to $1.6 trillion in student loan debt. I mean, the president of Quinnipiac College, what school is that? I don't know, makes over $3 million. Why? Because the student, he knows the government's going to make the students all pay this debt. And now Joe Biden's administration is going to forgive this debt. And again, what about the girl raising three kids living in low income housing who has been, I don't know, doing her friend's nails all her life, but she can't afford to get a, a blue collar license to work in a nail salon. These are people who are actually starving while, you know, People who went to great school are vacationing and getting a $50,000 check from Biden. We're speaking to James Altucher, author, podcaster, entrepreneur, and uh, as I've been saying, guy whose insights you should hear on this and a whole bunch of topics. I mean, what, what do you think, if anything, should be done? I mean, my, my position is that there should be a lot more, and, and this is a, a broad, I know this is a broad spectrum approach, there should be a lot more focus on one, delaying i don't think people should go from high school right into college i think the gap year i mean they do this in europe they do this in other places i think a gap year at least makes a lot of sense spend a year or two you know making likely minimum wage somewhere or at least doing service or whatever it may be and then have a better understanding of what it is you want to do i think four years for most undergrad programs is probably absurd they should condense it i think the college tuitions are far too high now we see with all this remote learning. I mean, I, I think there needs to be a, a pretty radical rethink of this four year liberal arts degree as a ticket to a better future for a lot of people. That's just not the case. And especially when you're talking about taking out, you know, sixty, seventy thousand dollars of loans a year when you add in housing expense and everything else to go to schools that no one ever is going to say, oh, wow, you went there. I'm going to give you a job now. I don't think people understand that. I mean, kids don't. I mean, I mean, there is a lot of, I mean, since 1992, the average college graduate between ages of 18 to 35, income has gone down, inflation adjusted. So it's not as even as if 
going to college gets you a better income, people say, oh, well, it gives you a better social experience. Let me tell you something. For $250,000, an 18-year-old is going to doesn't need $250,000 to figure out how to be social with friends. Like they're going to drink and have a party and make make friends. And you know what? They're going to work too. So I, I don't even know. I mean, this is an extreme view, but I'm not even sure what the benefits of college are. It does not help get a job anymore. It does not help get a bigger income. It does, I don't remember. Do you remember any college? I don't certainly remember anything or very little. It's 30 years ago. And most people don't do for a career what they did in college. You could go to a library, you could read a book, you could take online classes. I agree. I don't think there should be a college. James, I think that this needs to be just radically, uh, you know, changed. I mean, I think it's a lot of things, a lot of moving pieces here. But yeah, I don't I don't talk to anybody I went to college with really anymore. And I don't care. I don't go back. I wasn't in a fraternity. I mean, I just I don't understand. I think this is an old model. And especially with the way information now, people have so much more access. I mean, you can watch. You can listen on podcasts. You can watch on YouTube. Yale professors and they have the whole syllabus online. I mean, you can actually do this stuff on your own if you really want to know. But it wasn't the thing is, it was largely, I believe, a credentialing program. And that's really what and, and it turned into this this big arms race to get into certain schools and getting into that school means that you're going to, you know, have as much better life. Well, there's only so many schools that's really true of. And even those schools, it's not a ticket to anything necessarily. It can be an advantage. But I think that this has all been it is an arms race. And so the basic undergraduate degree has been diluted even as a as a marketplace thing. Forget about what you actually learn, which I think is is minimal at best in most of these schools. Uh, I, I think that the value of it has changed. I mean, if if you have more people than ever with undergraduate degrees, people should understand the basic economics of this. That means that your undergraduate degree is less competitive for jobs when you get out. And we keep seeing this happen. Yeah. I mean, again, there's been studies that show, uh, uh, you know, oh, 30 years after getting a degree, you, you'll have a, you'll have more money in the bank. But these these studies show that if you graduated in 1980, 30 years later, you'll have money in the bank. 1980, they didn't have any student loan debt and tuitions were much uh, cheaper. But even if you look at those studies, the benefit only happens if you went to Harvard. It turns out that all the statistics are BS unless you're talking about Harvard. And so even those studies, which should do well, are not doing well. And it's, it's so much worse right now. And I agree. There's so many great courses online. You could take you could take screenwriting from Aaron Sorkin. You could take, you know, history from Yuval Harari. You could take cooking from Wolfgang Puck. You could learn actual skills as an apprentice somewhere. You know, I have I have five kids. Some of them go to college. Some of them don't. The ones who don't go to college, they get an extra four years. They get they have money in the bank when everyone else is in debt. And it's just a great thing. The kids, you know, don't forget, we're talking about a one point six trillion dollar loan industry. Do you think they're going to just let that industry die without putting up a fight? There is so much marketing. Oh, no, you have to go to college to have a well-rounded education. It, when was the last time you had to calculate the volume of a cylinder or you had to know what Ohm's law was or what the 12th element on the periodic table is? Like people don't need the things you learn in college. You never use later on in life. And by the way, your closest friends later on in life are the people you, you work with and your family and the people you grow with as an adult. 
Like, you know, I look, I, I totally again, agree. I'm I, not I think sure this, what the actual value of college is. It's, it needs to be radically rethought. Yeah, James, can we can we hold you through for a second? I want to come back and talk to you about the pandemic and the flight from NYC. We got James Altucher with us, everybody. Follow him on social media. Check out his podcast, his books, uh, and he's an entrepreneur. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. The battle over ballots continues. This election, as I keep reminding everybody who listens, is not over. We will be looking at lawsuits in the days ahead at the response from judges and just see where this all goes. We are playing out the process. So far, we have not seen ironclad proof of some of the more extreme voter fraud claims, but we also are early in the process. We've certainly seen proof of irregularities, and there is some evidence of widespread fraud. Sworn affidavits from people who say this fraudulent thing happened affecting thousands. Remember, when we say widespread, if it happened in two or three states and we're talking about thousands of votes, that's widespread enough to swing the election. So that's widespread fraud. Still trying to see if we can prove this. And the effort on the left and the, the Democrat frenzy right now to get this whole thing shut down as fast as possible before we can even get to a result is in and of itself very telling. As I've been as I've been saying, there's no downside to getting a real answer here. There, there's no problem with this. They can tell you, oh, but it's slowing the Biden transition and all this. Biden's been in government longer than I've been alive, literally longer than I've been alive. And we're so worried that he's you know, not going to know what to do day one or something, because there's been a few days here of lawsuits and the administration is not already saying all hail the incoming Biden chief. Sorry. It's not the way it's going to be. Now, Rudy Giuliani, who's the president's lawyer and is very much involved in making this case. I asked him to come on. He's busy today, but we'll get him on hopefully another time. So I tried to go to the source directly with him. We had uh, what uh, I interviewed Jenna Ellis from the team, the uh, Trump legal team last week. So I'm, I'm up on where they are. Rudy was on Fox making the case. And here's what here's what he said about where we are right now. So I want you to hear it from really the president's chief lawyer on this issue right now, or at least the mo- his most visible lawyer and spokesperson on this, Rudy Giuliani. Here he is about the, the software. I mean, this is a, a big part of this, and we have to see what we're able to prove. Remember, Sidney Powell's also involved. And I'll just say this. Sidney Powell was mocked by the mainstream media and the Democrat Party for months and months. Not a serious lawyer, conspiracy theories. She was spot on when it came to the ambush of General Flynn and the the deep state betrayal that occurred there on behalf of Hillary Clinton and the way that the justice system has failed General Flynn. It's not that he failed our justice system. It's the other way around. The justice system has failed him. She was completely correct on that. They mocked and ridiculed her and she through the actions that she took and what was uncovered as a result of her lawsuit showed us just how absurd those hateful claims directed at her were. But here is Rudy Giuliani talking about software. Now, this is the big this would be a a game changer if they can prove that there were intentional backdoors 
other means of trying to mess with these vote counts. Here's Rudy making the case on Fox. Play one. The software that they use is done by a company called Smartmatic, the company that was founded by Chavez <laughs> and by Chavez's uh, two, two allies who still own, own it. It's been used to cheat in elections in South America. It was uh, it was banned by the United States several about a decade ago. It's come back now as a subcontractor to other companies. It sort of hides in the weeds. But Dominion sends everything to Smartmatic. Can you believe it? Our votes are sent overseas. They're sent to someplace else, some other country. Why do they leave our country? And this company has and this company has tried and true methods for fixing elections, like calling a halt to the voting when you're running too far behind. They've done that in prior elections. Now, what happened on election night? He was ahead by 800,000 votes in Pennsylvania. Impossible to catch up unless you're cheating. And uh, same thing in, in Michigan, Wisconsin. He was ahead in all those states by numbers that in prior times, and I can show this to you, networks would have called for him. Yes, he's making some pretty severe allegations here. I just keep saying the same thing about this stuff. Let's find out. Let's see. Let's let's uh, understand what evidence can be presented. Let's look at what's really out there and come to a conclusion based upon what we can prove. He's saying straight up this was fixed. And the stuff that he's telling you about the information going overseas and this company. That's all, you know, smart, manic, as shady as Rudy says it is. We should know. We should get answers to all this. We should have complete faith that our elections are secure and that are hap- they're happening the way that they should. And the only way to know that, despite what the liberal media tells you, despite what the mainstream keeps pushing, the only way to know that is if we check, if we compile what we have in terms of data, if we, if we look at these, at these allegations, take them seriously, and get answers about them, right? So... That was one, the, the Smartmatic and the software, that's one part of these allegations Rudy made on TV. Now here he is with the poll watchers not being allowed to count the mail-in ballots, another major component of their lawsuits. Play two. I mean, this is unprecedented. They're counting mail-in ballots, and so they don't allow any we... Republican to inspect. That is illegal unlawful against the law. I don't know how else to put it. Never happened. I've done many absentee ballot uh, elections. There's a Republican on one side, a Democrat on the other. No, no, no. The Republican was out, out outside getting pushed around by goons. When they finally get in, they're 20 feet away and they're told to use binoculars. Binoculars. The only way you can tell whether a mail-in ballot is valid is by examining the outer envelope. The minute you remove the outer yeah. envelope, it's gone. You can no longer validate it. And that's why, under the law of every state, if you don't expect it, the law is the vote is invalid. There are cases, including in Pennsylvania, that have been overturned for just a few ballots that were handled that way. We can prove that 632,000 ballots were handled that way, particularly in Philadelphia. And if you tell me that Philadelphia doesn't cheat in elections, I will tell you you're living on Mars. So that would be a lot of ballots that would be invalidated. Right. And we know the mail-in ballots are expected overwhelmingly to have been for Biden. So there's your margin, and then some, several times over your margin of of victory. 
uh, for Biden disappearing and going for Trump. So people who claim that, oh, this is these challenges wouldn't even mean anything. They wouldn't even do anything. That's just not true. If you discarded 600,000 ballots because they were not properly observed in their mail-in ballots, if you did that, that obviously would change Pennsylvania. And if you look at what's going on in, in, in other states, there are substantial questions and large numbers of ballots that are at, at issue there as well. Rudy pointed out in, in Michigan and Detroit, really, it's not the state of Michigan, it's the city of Detroit, right? These, these Democrat urban machines that are able to churn out votes just in time and just in the way that was exactly as needed for Biden to win, uh, that there were problems in Detroit specifically. And here is Rudy outlining those. Play three. Now we move on to Detroit. In Detroit, we have evidence that 100,000 ballots were brought in at 430 in the morning and counted. And to the extent that our witnesses, and there are four of them, saw it. And one of them is an ex-employee of Dominion. According to them, every single ballot was for Biden. And not only that, whatever ballots they could see, because these weren't Republicans, so they could get closer. Every ballot they could see, it just had Biden's name on it. Nobody else, not even another Democrat. Now, why does that happen? It happens because you know you're behind. Dominion notifies you. You call off the county and then you start doing ballots like this. You can't you can't do the down ticket. That's why you have Biden and no down ticket, because they just had enough time to get Biden's name in. We never got a chance to inspect a single one of those. That's another. Look, this is a big allegation. This is election rigging. This is a real threat to our democratic system, an actual threat if this is happening. And, you know, Rudy, remember, he was he was one saying that they had a lot of documents about Hunter Biden and that there was going to be more information coming out about Hunter Biden now. I told you, because I'm always honest with you, that I didn't think it was going to matter for the election, and it didn't. I think that's pretty clear. But it was still worthwhile from a news cycle perspective. And it's good that we know it, especially if there is a Biden presidency going forward. I think people should be aware of how corrupt and how outrageous the Biden crime family really is. But that all said, Rudy was correct in talking about Hunter Biden and the way that he was getting payoffs from foreign countries. And he was ridiculed for all that. So do we really think that he's completely making all this up right now and has nothing to back him up? He'd do that? Why? What benefit would there be to him of exposing himself in that way if he really also didn't believe that this, that this effort to change these votes would be successful in and of itself? Why do you want to be the guy who's the Baghdad Bob of a losing Trump election? That does not sound like fun that does not sound like something that would be a an intelligent strategic move for just rudy on a personal level so for him to come out in this way and be firing off these kinds of allegations and charges i I think you have to take him at his word that he has real reason to believe this and now when i say take him at his word that just means let's see what he's got they're they're filing these lawsuits in court they're presenting it before judges Let's see what the information that they provide really is and what the judge's response to it. That's all within the process, within the system. This is completely legitimate. The left wants to pretend that we've already gone to this phase of ignoring what judges have said, going outside the system, and that's just not true. That's not what is happening here. But when you hear all the places where there were problems, when you hear all the places where there were issues, I mean, here's Rudy 
talking about um, all the different states where this software was used that could have been an issue. Play four. Well, I know for, I can prove that they did it in Michigan. I can prove it with witnesses. Uh, we're an, investigating the rest. In every one of those states, though, we have more than enough illegal ballots already documented to overturn the result in that state. Because um, not only did they use a Venezuelan company to count our ballots, which almost should be illegal per se. Uh, Number two, they didn't allow Republicans in key places to observe the the mail vote. That makes the mail vote completely invalid. Now, they didn't do it everywhere. They did it in big cities where they have corrupt machines that will protect them, meaning in, in, in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, in Detroit. They they didn't have to do it in Chicago and New York or Boston. They could have. They have corrupt machines there. They they did it absolutely in Phoenix, Arizona. They did it absolutely in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Republicans were shut out from enough of the count so they could accomplish what Smartmatic wanted to do. As I've been saying, this is a lot of a lot of uh, big talk, a lot of large allegations here. This is major stuff and we'll see what he's able to prove we'll see what the trump team the legal team is able to bring forward i will tell you though even with sworn affidavits even with people coming forward who said i witnessed the following my concern isn't that they're not credible or that they don't exist or that giuliani's making this stuff up i don't think that's the issue i think the issue is that federal judges who look at this are going to say, I'm not overturning the res- I'm not overturning this state's election result. Sorry, not going to do it. Yeah. So I think that really the, the fall down here is going to be the system just saying we're we don't want to see the country burn. We're not willing to be the ones who stop this from happening. Sorry. And that, of course, that's perverse because they're supposed to be defending our system of democracy. But their idea will be let's allow for this assault on democracy so we don't have to have an assault on small businesses and neighborhoods all across the country that are going to get burned down by angry Biden voters. I am concerned about that, meaning that the judges will view it that way and aren't willing to turn it around. And then it's you think the Supreme Court's really going to get involved, going to get involved in time in all these different states. I don't think so. I don't think that you could you could even count on the Supremes to, to jump in on this one. So. That's why I keep saying, let's see what is produced. Let's see what the judges say. And then we can have a conversation about what comes next for America. But in the meantime, we simply do not know. We should fight this to the end. And when we get to the end, we can come to conclusions about what's next. But this is not over. That's where we are. And that's where we're going to stay until the facts change. 